Um, right, evening, guys. Welcome to episode 45 of the Racing Line podcast. Just Harry and myself here with you tonight um, due to Joseph's family circumstances. But we've got a bit of things to talk about. We've had the race last night at the Hungaro Ring, uh, which was a phenomenal race for a number of different reasons. We've got a little bit of IndyCar to talk about as well. Um, coming into the last four races, the championship keeps spicing up and Australia, um, particularly Willpower, are looking strong uh, moving into the final part of the season. So let's jump straight into it. H, how was your week, mate? Um, what did you make of the racing? Yeah, F1 was uh, was pretty insane, mate. There was some uh, crazy strategy calls again by a certain red team. Mm. Um, yeah, look, more passing than I've seen in a long time at the Hungara ring, which is good. Yeah. Good. Max, yeah, I, I don't know how he got that win, starting P10, spinning out and still winning. Um, I think it just shows the strength of that car and him at the moment because Perez was nowhere near his pace. Um, yeah. But, yeah, best Hungara ring race I've seen in a long time. That I, wasn't affected by rain like last year's. Well, I think the first. I think that's the first thing that um, I wanted to talk about as well because we said last week that just due to the nature of the tracks mm. or the track due to the size of the cars, we were wondering if the new formula was actually going to kind of make racing at a track like the Hungara ring more conducive. And I think from the very start of the race to the end, there was a very close pack racing at the front with the Red Bulls, with the Ferraris and with the Mercedes. And we saw a lot of overtakes as well. Um, so from that point of view, I couldn't really ask for much more from that track. To be honest. I mean, I love the track. I thought that it might be a little bit outdated just based on its current configuration and, and the cars that are there. So to see such a good spectacle of racing at the track um, was really good. And the other thing that I enjoyed was the fact that the DRS didn't seem too OP. I mean, obviously mm. you had you had the front straight and then the straight after the first corner. And I think that they could have got away with just having the DRS down the front straight moving like moving into next year because the cars were able to, to follow so well through that that final sector and onto the back straight that, you know, even though they weren't making the move all the time into the first corner, mm. it definitely gave them enough of an advantage to have the lunge. Um, and that probably would have been better just to see more people, I don't know, be a little bit more ballsy and make the lunge into the first corner. Um, but that didn't happen as much because they knew they had that second straight to, to finish the move mm. if they needed to. Um, but all in all, fantastic racing look i was really really impressed with it i'm really happy you know that formula one for the last few races um has looked really good and kind of some of those early fears that we had and spoke about after you know those new tracks that we've seen on the calendar have somewhat been rectified mm. it's pretty frustrating that a track like this which has been which has not been conducive to good racing in the past and now they're talking about getting rid of tracks like Spa, which you know yeah. we've ranked we've ranked as our top top track on the on the calendar. Yeah, can you imagine how good the racing is going to be there after the summer break? Man, I hope that the racing is good there, so that they kind of realise the stupidity mm. of um, of the move. Yeah, yeah, um, like that would yeah that would absolutely destroy me. I mean. Just as a side note, like there was the Spa 24 this weekend, 
and they're obviously in GT cars, but just the spectacle that that track gives mm. purely based on the kind of um, the different kinds of corners and the different kind of sections of track that are there. The elevations well, and... Yeah, so for a spectacle like Formula One to lose that would be... It would be insane. Like, it would yeah. actually be insane. I think you'd have a lot of fans that would be, you know, pretty pissed off if that was to happen. So, mm. yeah, hopefully... that's My hope is that we get an awesome race, that we actually do get a race, because that would probably be another reason why people... Um, don't remember how awesome spa was because we didn't have the race there last year mm. and you kind of we're in such a society now where you need to see everything straight away um so i'm hoping that after the break what better track to go to um yeah. to kind of see some awesome racing so yeah what did you hope. think of um ferrari strategy calls again you know i, I was pretty frustrated um you know, Danny Rick made that beautiful move on the two yeah. Alpines, passing mm. both cars. He was on the medium tyre. He was showing some genuine pace on that medium. Mm. Um, he was pretty consistent. In on his... the hard? No, on the medium, on the medium. So on his, so he started on a medium, Yeah. first stop, went to another medium, and then they pitted yeah. him for the hard. But yeah. um, he was showing some genuine pace on that medium. Um, he was consistent in his gap to Lando. They were lapping pretty much at the same time, which was good to see. All the cars on the hard tyres were slow, and then McLaren go and put their cars on the hard tyre. What? Yeah. And then and then Ferrari did the same thing, and Leclerc puts, essentially puts him out of contention. From from Ferrari's point of view, the thing that was most baffling to me was they were in control of that race. Yeah. At not one point, even when George was in front, purely based on their qualifying pace as well, and just the, the way that the weekend had gone. Mm-hmm. I was sold that Carlos would actually win the race because uh, I didn't realize that passing was going to be as easy as it, as it was. So to see them, and they were looking strong. I mean, he sat pretty easily behind Russell for the first you know, quarter of the race and it didn't even look like, like he was happy to stay there. Um, and then like, just, we just saw a mental capitulation from the game. Whether Ferrari just doesn't have, like I don't know who's in charge of making those decisions. But they've got Jock Clear there, who's uber experienced in Formula One. They've got um, Matteo Bonotto, again, in a similar situation to Jock Clear. So for them to, week after week, be making bad mistakes, I think they might be feeling the pressure on the track, Mm. but they also have to be feeling the pressure off the track now to make the right decision, and they're overthinking it. Because that's the only thing that I can see it being. For the other three teams not to do it, like yeah, exactly, not to even consider it, speaks that's, volumes to me about their decision. That's my, I guess, gripe with the whole McLaren and Ferrari thing. Before the race, every team principal was saying the hards are a crappy race tire. We're not going to race on the hards. That's why everyone was going. You know, even Lance Stroll looked that much better than the McLarens because they pitted him and put him on the softs for the mm. last stint. Mm. I just don't understand the thinking behind two teams out of 10 going onto the hard. I think what I think maybe part of the issue was that um, teams were moving early to get undercuts. Mm. So I don't know if because of, you know one team moves to undercut everybody else's team like moves to cover off if they were worried about the longevity of the tire. But even still like 
Well, stroll pit it at the same time as DR and put yeah, socks on. I mean, stretch it. You got to if you're worried, stretch it a little bit more because, to be honest with you, McLaren didn't look too bad. No, they didn't look too bad at all. I mean, of, of the top, there was the top three, and then McLaren were kind of sitting behind that pretty comfortably. Um, apparently, DR. I mean, I only watched the mini. So apparently, DR got a penalty as well. I didn't yeah. see what the penalty was for. Um, uh. Uh, so him and Stroll came out of the pits at the same time. Mm. Um, Stroll was on softs, DR was on the hards. Um, Stroll's obviously got more grip coming out of the first turn. Yeah. Um, and then they've gone to go around turn two or three, whichever one it is. Mm. And DR has obviously, he's like Bambi on ice. Stroll's yeah. made the move on the outside and he's just tapped him. And it's kind of like similar to the Russell Perez incident the other week in Austria. And they just gave him a time penalty? Yep. Yeah, well... Five-second time penalty. Okay. And where would he have been? Like, where did he finish the race on the track? Uh, 12th, I think. Okay. So, you know, now I thought, like, looked, looked racy this week, which was good to see. Yeah. But I did, was a little bit disappointed after the qualifying session. Um, that he couldn't improve? Yeah, because I saw it in, in session, like, in um, qualifying two, he was up on Lando till the last run. Mm. Again, you kind of, I get lured into this false sense of security because <laughs> it was like three tenths up on him. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's that's a, like a decent margin for Lando to have to find. But then on Lando's last night run, he was four tenths up. So I'm like, I mean, I can't get anything from it. Well, Lando pulled out a mega lap too. In his second, in, in qualifying three. Yeah. 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 I mean, probably he, I reckon he's probably a stronger qualifier than racer. Lando, yeah, I agree. he's able to, on that one lap pace, you know, we probably have to give him a little bit of credit because he's able to, you know, extract the absolute maximum mm. from that car, which is which is awesome. Um, even, I was happy with um, Carlos Sainz. Just yeah, he was, of Leclerc. he looked strong um, all weekend. If we are going to talk about qualifiers, though, we always have to give a little bit of kudos to George Russell. Mate. Because where that lap came from, and even just his poise to start the race, I mean, none of us really expected him to finish in the lead. Um, but just his general poise this weekend, there's a champion there. Did you hear, it's only the third or fourth lap in the last 20 years that has been on pole without any purple sectors? No, I haven't heard that. Like, that's pretty insane. Like, he would have been, every sector, like, you know when you get you see a pole lap, mm. you know, Max is great at it but you see a pole up where they'll smash one or two sectors and the third mm. sector's like so and so he was just you know green sector every all three and he would have been right up there like well that just tells me that the car didn't have like the strengths of the car mm. aren't better in any sector of the track than no. let's say a ferrari or a red bull but he just maximized the most from that package in all three sectors you know what i mean like it wasn't like for example, Ferrari knows that in some sectors they can make, you know, mm. th- their time up because that's the characteristics of the car. Red Bull, vice versa. Um, but that just proves to me that he just maximised the most from the track. Would have been interesting to know if he got a tow from anyone. Like I didn't, I didn't know or see that. But no. regardless, I don't think that track's conducive to a tow anyway. Mm, yeah, it's not. There's not really a straight long enough for it. No. Um, but that's also really good to see him bounce back because it seems like in the last two or three races anyway, Hamilton has been getting the limelight from the 
um, Mercedes team. So to see him bounce back like that was was really good. And I mean, for Mercedes to finish second and third, I mean, we keep talking about them, you know, kind of minimising their um, deficit and kind of just maximising whatever opportunity they have. They made points on Red Bull and Ferrari this week. Mate, they will be, they will beat Ferrari in the constructors. I'm just going to quickly pull up the constructors championship now. Speaking of championships, while we're here, it's done, isn't it? Drivers championship, yeah. it's done. Yep. Yep. Unfortunately, Maybe. we're only what 12, 13 races in, and Max, unless he has a catastrophic second half of the season where he's DNFing a lot. Yeah. I can't see anyone. Mate, I can't see him losing the championship unless he chucks a Michael Schumacher and breaks his leg. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's done. It's pretty and, disappointing. But you know what the sad thing was? I mean, you know how you could tell how bad the decision was by Ferrari mm. when he he spun and he should have been punished for that. I mean, any other car that's on par with, you know, the Red Bull, if Leclerc was on the same tyres, mm. that race is over after the spin. Um, but to see him within a lap and a half be right back where he was behind Leclerc kind of just shows how the guy the <sighs> guy is driving phenomenally. Like I don't like Max, hmm. um, but he is. There's no one near him at the moment. Like Leclerc can pull out some awesome results and some awesome laps, but for pure consistency, Max is just on another level. Yeah, I think I think the consistency comes also with knowing the car's good mm. and knowing that you don't have to push and just trusting that the car's going to do the right thing. And I think, like I said last week, we've seen Verstappen make those mistakes when the car wasn't so good and he's in a position now where he just needs to do his job mm. and he's kind of maximising it. And I mean, well, it was annoying when Mercedes was dominating and I think, you know, we were all expecting based on pre-season mm. um, form and, and things like that that this championship will be closer than it is now but I mean yeah for it to be mm-hmm. as like I'll, I'll tell you right now he is on 258 points Leclerc Ooh. is on 178 so yeah, talking done. a 70 point deficit which is almost three races that he could miss yeah and you can't you can't bank on Ferrari taking advantage of that even you if he was to miss it <laughs> You know what the funny thing is? How many races are left in the season? I think there's 10, ten yeah. Well, if Charles Leclerc was to win every race and Verstappen was to finish second, that's 70 points. Oof. So Leclerc would have to win every race from this point out. Considering he's only won four in his career, I don't think it's going to happen. No, and you'd have to also probably take into consideration a few DNFs from... Ferrari from Ferrari or even Red Bull need a few DNFs. Okay. I mean, Sergio Perez is five points behind Leclerc. Yeah, but he didn't look strong this weekend. No, he didn't. He hasn't looked strong for two weeks in a row, which is interesting. Did you see Helmet um, came out and said he's already gone on summer break? <laughs> oh, Helmet. Just, just Helmet to say something like that, mate. Do you, know, <laughs> do, you know he, do you know he a more interesting fact than the lead to the lead of Verstappen? Yeah. There are, I mean, Leclerc's on 178. Mm-hmm. Perez is on 173, yeah. and Russell is only 20 points behind Leclerc. Oh. What Lewis crazy. wouldn't be far behind George either. Lewis is 
32 points behind. George or Leclerc? Leclerc. No, he's only he's only uh, 12 points behind George. Wow. Yep. That is... That just shows you consistency <clears throat> in the Mercedes power unit. Like, yep. and the, the, the whole car, like, it's been unbreakable. Hasn't yep. been the fastest, but it's been unbreakable. Just looking at the championship now, there's a few... Um, there's a few mentions that I think, like notable mentions, I think we need to give. Number one, for the fickle nature of the McLaren this year, for Lando to still be seventh, best of the rest, by a comfortable 18 points is pretty good. If you that, were thinking, That's his podium, isn't it? Yeah, but it's also, he's been pretty consistent. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ocon, to be ahead of Alonso by 17 points is interesting. So, uh, Ocon is eighth, Alonso is in tenth. <laughs> and notable mention to Valtteri Bottas in ninth with the Alfa Romeo. You, I don't think anyone would have thought of that if he hadn't looked at the standings. Yeah. He's got 46 points, ninth th- place in the championship. Well done. I think he, um, his first half, really. yeah. the first half of the first half of the season was um, really yeah. good. Yeah. I don't think he scored points for a while. Or if he has, it's been tenth, ninth. Yeah. But yeah, he no, he's having a much better season. Do you know who's in 18th? Oh, this is embarrassing. Latifi, Stroll. You got, no, you got Latifi last with no points. You've got Albon with three points, which is actually pretty good for a Williams. Worst after that is Stroll on four points. I've been saying it since day one of this pod. You've got the rookie Joe ahead of him. You've got Sonoda, Sonoda significantly ahead of him. Far out. Can we talk about Alpha Tauri, what the go is there? That car, yeah. they have dropped off in performance massively this year. Mm. Mm. Well, I think the, I think if you were to take like last year, Red Bull had a pretty strong power unit, and it was evident mm. most of the season. Like the Honda power unit was quite strong. I think it's fair to say that this year, um, Ferrari has a better power unit, even if it's not more consistent uh, mm. than Honda. And who were the teams that um, Alpha Tauri is racing against? They're racing against Haas and they're racing against Alpha Romeo, who have both been huge beneficiaries of the new Ferrari power unit. Yeah. So I think that's probably a big factor in, in why they have underperformed, not so much because of the, the car, but more because the other power units around them have had a bit of a power boost. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Um, but I, like... Is Sonoda ahead of Gasly, or are they very close? Gasly's on 16, and Sonoda is on 11. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Gasly hasn't had a great season, but the points would suggest otherwise, because I've noticed Sonoda more in that car Mm. this year. Mm. I think Gasly, a little bit like Botas, had Mm. a great start to the year, and banked some big points early, and has kind of not been showing so much in the last couple of races. Mm. I mean, even at Paul Ricard, like, I mean, no, the race before Paul Ricard, he was fourth in, in practice one day. Mm. And then I was like, oh, that's probably going to be a decent qualifying performance for him. And he ended up going out in the in the first qualifying session. And that's been an issue for him, I think, mm. more than um, Sonoda this year. Like, yeah. Gasly has gone out in Q1 and had to fight his way back through the pack so often this year. Mm. Um which makes it tough for him to to really maximise his points or to, or to kind of be in a position 
to get those bigger points hauls. So, mm. yeah. Well, the big Formula One news of the day, of the last couple of hours, <laughs> has been the shock move of uh, Alonso to the underperforming Aston Martin in 2023. So we'll firstly talk about the actual move and what you think of it, and then maybe we'll talk a little bit about the ramifications of the move to the F1 musical chairs as of next year, because even this week, we the reason why this move is possible is because uh, Vettel has also announced his retirement from Formula One at the end of the season. So, number one, what did you make of Vettel's decision and then um, Aston Martin's decision to swoop on on Nando? Uh, Vettel, I think we all, we all saw that coming. Um, he seems to be concentrating on other things at the moment. And, you know, the guy's a four-time world champion. I don't know about you. I'm not a full-time world champion. But if I was, I wouldn't want to be racing for 10th position with Lance Stroll. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally understand the decision. Um, in terms of going for Nando, I don't know. I feel like we're going to get some fireworks between Fernando and, and Lance Stroll. I feel... I feel Alpine had a decision to make um, with their reserve driver. And I feel that they've gone for the future rather than the past, if that makes sense. Um, But yeah, mate, I think there's one thing on Fernando's career that probably I was thinking about this the other day. Um, He's never really been able to develop a car to get to a point where he's wanted it. If that, you think... Renault, he won his two two world championships. And then where did he go? McLaren for a year. That didn't end well. Went to Ferrari. Ferrari. Yep. And performed admirably against the Red Bull, but Mm. wasn't able to take that next step. And then back to McLaren. I don't know. I feel like them signing Alonso is not really going to help them move forward. Like, you'll get the epic results that Alonso does, but... Is it what the team needs at this point? You think it's more an indictment? Like, the way I saw it is that... Uh, uh, sorry, let me speak. Alpine had Ricardo, who yeah. was there for two years and didn't feel like the team was heading in the direction to make the next step, hence the move to McLaren. We've now got Alpine... Uh, so we've got, now we've got Alonso in a car that is outperforming significantly the Aston Martin. Significantly, it's not even a little bit. No, it's, no. it's 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 well ahead of the Aston Martin. It's racing against, you know, the McLaren for best of the rest. Mm-hmm. And even he doesn't see or have this, have a belief that they're going to turn the corner. So much so that he's moving to a car that would seem significantly inferior. So I don't know, like, I mean, I understand... I don't understand his decision to move, number one. Um, and I th- get the feeling that th- it's an indictment on on Alpine, which yeah, is... Do you think weird. it was his decision to make or do you think Alpine wanted... Like, Oscar will be the new Alpine F1 driver. Do you I think do. it was a, a matter of fact of if we don't put Oscar in the car, mm-hmm. we're going to lose him? Yeah. Yeah. But in saying that, they could have very easily just put him in a Williams for a year on a on a deal, yeah, and I feel like they would have 
they would have still had the rights to him. I mean, mm. the interesting thing to me is I think maybe they were in a... I think this was not an Alpine decision. I think this okay. was a, 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 a Alonso decision. Because um, his didn't two think years that. were up. His two years were up on his contract. But based on how he's racing, I don't see Alpine feeling like they would have wanted to move on from him. No. So I think it was a Nando decision. Yeah, I get that. I just thought maybe Alpine, because we know Mark Webber is Oscar's yeah. manager. Yeah. I thought maybe Mark negotiated the fact that if you don't put him in the car next year, he's moving on. So, but yeah. we don't know what happens behind the scenes, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just get the, like, in my estimation, the rhetoric around mm. Piastri, whether he was in a race for Williams next year, which would tell me that Alpine were already thinking about a contingency plan because they thought yeah. they had Alonso. So it doesn't seem like that's happened now, but it says a lot about Alpine and mm. and and how that situation is developing behind the scenes because that's two high-profile races now who have for ob- like they put their money where their mouth is. They've moved on. I mean, you can't. I mean, you can take a lot from people's actions, and, and those are two huge indictments against the development of that team, which is interesting because they're doing quite well. And, and um, they're a constructor. Like the big thing in Formula One is you can't win a championship unless you're a constructor. And yeah. people seem yeah. to be staying away from them, which is. And I mean, like Aston Martin haven't done a whole lot in the last two years no. since they've turned into Aston Martin and they've boasted this huge campus. Everything they've boasted the world, and they haven't delivered us anything yet. So, I mean, it's interesting. I think mm. it might be another bad decision by Nando, if I'm being honest. But I mean, we'll find out about that. The other yeah. interesting thing in um, manufacturer land is the news that Porsche have signed fifty or have, have bought fifty percent of the Red Bull Racing team. Insane, which is, which is huge. Um, which surprises me because I know you you were saying it for a while back that that's what that was what you were reading and hearing. Mm. But I always thought if they came in, they were going to buy into um, their own race team. So that's that's interesting to see that they've just gone down that route, and it's also big for Red Bull because, I mean, Honda had aspirations of coming back. There's already murmurs of them hmm. coming back into Formula One with the, the 2025 or six rule change. So where does that leave them now um, with with their development? Does another team, you know, come in and, and buy the new Milton Keynes Red Bull powertrains facility now? Which was just retrofitted to, to kind of continue that operation. Which is, it's a bizarre. They put all this money into buying Honda. Does Honda buy back? Does someone else buy in? Does Honda move on to mm. um, another team? Really like, interesting stuff. Does does Audi or Porsche purchase the IP for Red Bull powertrains? Obviously, they have. Or they going? Is that to? what they've done? Is they have, are they going? Are they going to buy out? Well, I don't imagine that. Well, why would Porsche come in with Red Bull if they're not going to manufacture the engine for Red Bull? Yeah, but I feel like if Porsche is coming in, they're not manu- They're not. They're not kind of maintaining Honda engines. They're building a Porsche engine. Yeah, they'll take the IP of how the en- and then. Porsche yeah, they fight. can. They could. They could do that, but I think based on their recent history in. Mm. World Endurance Championship, they've probably got a pretty deep... I mean, there's there's stories going around that Porsche has a 
current spec F1 engine at Porsche yeah. that they never used. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, there was they've been talking about joining Formula One for the last five years. So, I think if they're coming in, what what I reckon they might use the IP for is to actually test the performance of their car or their power mm. unit in relation to one that already exists and they can access because that's probably the biggest thing access to that existing technology so um yeah it's huge news honda back to mclaren mclaren becomes a constructor you know that wouldn't surprise me eh? and apparently the other rumors i don't know if you heard it if you've heard it is audi is buying sauber audi's buying sauber Yep, so Alfa Romeo has renewed their contract for one or two years, I think. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I think for the new engine rules in 25 oh, so, or 26. So, yeah, we're going to lose the Alfa Romeo brand and it'll be rebranded as Audi. Yeah, or they're buying Sauber as well. I don't, that's the rumor. Um, so Sauber will be rebranded as Audi and we'll have two Vag Group teams in Formula 1, which would be nice. I just... I'm getting frustrated. I want more teams, and they're just buying up existing teams. Yeah, but that's Formula One because you can only have twenty-two cars on the grid. Uh, I also heard last week that BMW are thinking about coming back. Come on, lads! So Williams. That's enough. They've already had history with Williams. They've had history with Sauber. Mm. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. But that's again big news. Big news in Formula One manufacturer land with 100%. the current, the current. Um, you know where, where the sport is going that's good that's a good thing to see and i think also what you're seeing is these manufacturers coming in with just engine deals because there's teams that have the existing infrastructure mm. these uh, you know big manufacturers they've already played their cards and they kind of put their money into development and r&d for sports cars so it's very easy for them to just develop the engines and then kind of leave the day-to-day runnings to an existing team and kind of save a an arm and a leg on on the implication of that. Uh, How good the, would it be? How good would it be to see six or seven engine manufacturers on the grid? Yeah, it'd be awesome. Because then it would bring up the competition as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really, that's, that's that's an exciting time for Formula One. Mm-hmm. The only thing you would hope for is if these big names are all coming in, is that they're all able to be competitive. Because mm-hmm. um, that's going to be the biggest thing. I mean, look how long it took Honda to to get their act together um so you'd be hoping that when they all do come in they kind of come in they don't have to be on the pace but kind of close enough to it so that it doesn't look like they're going to be you know chasing their tails with r&d for the next 10 years yeah but awesome great stuff um let's go on to just a little bit of supercars from the weekend now i was kind of in and out of of, of watching the <laughs> racing but it was a pretty from a competition point of view, I wouldn't say it was the best weekend to be a Supercars fan if you're not an, an Ampol Red Bull Racing fan because, I mean, in qualifying, it looked like the Mustangs had all the promise. It looked like Tickford had all the answers. Um, but come race pace, well, like boring. I, I watched I watched the mini for race 23. I think it is the one in the wet, yesterday's race. Um, I hope I hope Gen Three brings them closer because Cam and the SVG battle for the first seven laps. Mm. I know it was raining, and it, as we say, it's the great equalizer. But that, they were some great racing. 
between those two. And De Pasquale was just in behind as well. Yeah. Um, throw yeah. Mostert in the mix. You know, you've got four really good drivers there that could potentially kill it next year. It seems like a, the problem is even though I mean Cam was there, it seems it, just based on the way the weekend unfolded, just seemed like a matter of time that he was going to get past SVG. I mean, we saw it on the Saturday as well. He was on laps tyres that were 20 laps old, and he was still lapping faster than everybody else that had pitted for their second set. I mean, is, is and he was saying that no, because they've never really been strong at um, okay. at the bend before, and it's kind of been a Mustang track since the Mustang came in. Mm, um, okay. and, and he blew that theory out of the water. And for him to get out of the car on the Sunday and say, I've been struggling with feeling in the car all weekend, for him to come out like that and say that, I mean, I thought, bloody hell. It just looked academic. I mean, that season still might be over really too. Well. Yeah, he did an awesome job. I mean, give, like, uh, that's what, the point I'm trying to make is I think he's just that bloody good. Mm. Uh, he, you know, he's top, that, top, he's, top number one out of ten. Yeah, but he wasn't Australian. Um, he did. He did put my number one to shame. The other talking point from the weekend was the, the incident between Tom Randall and mm. Andre Heimgardner. I mean, race two, awesome to see Randall on on the front row, um, and I think his nerves showed. And bloody hell, that was an incident and a half. Glad, glad they both are out of hospital. That's yeah. that's the main thing. Well, what a testament to the to the structural integrity of those race cars because that's a long straight and he was I think might have been on row seven or eight. So he's you know, pulling hundred and twenty kilometers an hour by the mm. time he hits. I mean the back end of that car was just crumpled. The back end of that car but also the front end of the other car, they were both absolutely screwed. They were yeah. mangled. Insane. I mean so disappointing for, for Randall. But I mean that's a that's another good news story. And the last probably ray of light from the weekend was on the Saturday, the Zach Best qualifying. I mean, obviously there was a bit of conjecture about the tyres that were used and he might have got a a better set. But I mean, the other wild cards from the weekend weren't even weren't even close to him. Mm. So that was that was impressive as well to finish fifth in that race too. The rookie showed a bit of bit of poise. And if I was one of those other Tickford drivers that hasn't been performing this year and there's only one Jake Kostecki hasn't been performing this year. I might be a little bit worried about my drive in 2023. Um, but yeah, probably not the most engaging weekend of supercars racing. No. Um, yeah, definitely I wasn't able to watch the Saturday races. Um, but then I saw SVG won both and I was like, okay, here we go. Like, What's new? Yeah. You know, the hard thing is, I think also, I mean, we have all this sprint racing at the start of the year. Then we do the Darwin, longer races, uh, the Townsville, longer races, and then we go back to the sprint race for Sydney Motorsport, uh, for the Bend, even though it's the longest track on the calendar. I mean, if anything, that should be endurance races. But then well, we're going to go... It's longer than Bathurst. Yeah, it's like... I think I, mean, I think it's the second longest track in the world. Jeez. Yeah, I think it might be nine kilometres. Wow. Maybe seven. Don't quote me, but I think it's the second longest track in the world after the Nürburgring. Okay. Yeah. Um, so for them to just do sprint races, I'm like, yeah, it's dumb. You can do more with it, and we go down to uh, we go to Sandown next. 
and then we move into to Bathurst Territory. So the season's winding up, and before the weekend, we're kind of saying a slip-up from SVG could blow the season wide open. And I think we've got two Red Bull drivers now in two categories that have probably yeah. so, they've, they've sewn it shut this week. Um, so, so that's the way it goes. Um, what about willpower? Mate. Mate, we've been talking about IndyCar for the last couple of episodes. I am hooked. We've, the good thing is you've got back-to-back racing for the last three weeks now. So and there's you, another one coming this weekend. Yeah. Well, you know, I, you know, I was kind of thinking, why, why does IndyCar have all their racing, like, so close? And I think it's because their winters are so cold mm. that they've got to get all their racing done in seven or eight months. So you've got all these races back-to-back, and it's awesome because as you're following it, it's not like you don't have to wait very long for the next race. Um and gee, we had a good race this weekend. I mean, obviously it's at Indianapolis. They've raced there on the on the infield course already this season. But for whatever reason, the track's pretty conducive to IndyCar racing. Mm. I mean, what did you make of it, mate? Yeah, look, like I said, I'm loving it. Um, I genuinely look forward to watching an IndyCar race at the moment. Um, mm. It's just pick pick your winner. Yeah, you know, like for Formula One. It's Max, maybe Charles. Mm. We will get the random Carlos in there. You know, supercars, SVG, Cam, Chaz, IndyCar. <laughs> 20 Look, blokes on there that could pull a win out. Well, t- we were literally just saying last week, we're like, yeah, that's it. Andretti's done. I mean, they they look like they're having a bit of a revival, but they kind of look like they're all over the place now. I mean, come to this race, obviously... Rossi had a great qualifying session finished, I think, might have been second. Could have been on pole. Mm. I think it was second. I mean, and goes on and, and wins the race like that. So I wouldn't say that it's like a precursor for him mounting a championship comeback. But we're talking about, I mean, I'm looking at the the He's, standings right now. And we've got Wu Power is leading the championship with one win. Ericsson <laughs> is second with one win. New Garden's got four, but he's in third. Dixon is fourth with one win. I mean, we've got everybody. There's only two drivers, sorry, three drivers in the field. Scott McLaughlin, funnily enough, Pato O'Ward, and Joseph Newgarden that have got multiple wins this season, which it's, is bizarre. It's, um, yeah, mate, it is It is insane. Like, just the passing and the, the ability of, all of them to cut through the field when they need to and mm. there's just no there's no picking it like i wouldn't yeah. i wouldn't be betting on it that's for sure yeah yeah i mean you know it's funny we're talking about how easy it was for um verstappen after he made the mistake to kind of make his way back through the field i mean we spoke about it last week but for someone leading in indycar to make a mistake and then kind of move his way through the depth of talent that's there purely based on the fact that it's the, the machinery is so close. Mm. I mean, it's a totally different beast to try to run away from the pack. And we've got a championship with nine points in it. I mean, between the top three drivers, we're talking about 32 points in the championship run. I mean, Formula One right now, there's 70 points between first and second. And I can tell you right now that for us to get to a 70-point um distance we're talking about first to seventh or first to sixth mm. in the indycar championship so it's awesome i think really really quite good 
If I was a betting man, though, looking at Scotty McLaughlin, the way he's been going lately, I I would throw a sneaky tenner on him for next year. Yeah, for a championship. Yeah, yeah. I think he's grow. I think he's definitely um, he's definitely growing, and he's he's he's. I feel like he's finding some like confidence and mojo in the in the um, category, and it's almost like he's he's got a bit of swag about the way he's probably too much swag to be honest but he's got a bit of swag about the way that he's even communicating on socials and things like that which is mm. good it's kind of like he's embedded himself in that culture now but I, I would I would back you on that to be honest with you that he's probably had a, he's, he's had his rookie year he's had his sophomore year and moving into next year he's probably in a position where he's ready to start actually mounting a championship championship push but I mean we've got I think four races left in IndyCar season yep um, bloody hell it's going to be awesome what do you think of um, season. Grosjean is he there next year is his contract for two years I uh, can't remember I think I think he's got a two year contract okay. um, he hasn't done much this year he was better I'll be honest year. with you I didn't I didn't like the decision um, this year I just thought with the way that all the other teams were going with you know Ganassi uh, McLaren and even Penske all moving into younger drivers mm. for them to pick up someone that was older I know it just I just thought they probably had more options to, to go chase a younger driver um, and I think the team's inconsistent this year that's part of it but also he hasn't looked better than Rossi and he hasn't looked better than Herder and maybe he needed a smaller team like Dale Coyne where he was the top dog mm. and everyone was pushing in his direction to get the best out of him whereas now it just seems like he's getting frustrated because he isn't performing to the level of his two superior teammates. Yeah, um, Herder did well till he had the mechanical failure. Yeah. I mean, Herder's, Herder always looks strong but this year had a few uncharacteristic crashes which have kind of put him out of the championship a little bit but I mean, I still back that he's He's, a, I mean, he's still got a, a race win this year, mm. um, which, which is pretty good. The last thing that I did want to talk about um, tonight was we're moving, so just coming full circle back to Formula One, we move into the um, traditional you know, winter break now. Um, and I just wanted to know what are your kind of biggest things that you're looking for uh, in Formula One once we do get back to racing in three or four weeks time like what are your biggest talking points slash storylines moving forward after the reset um hoping that dr has an upturn in performance like he did last year what will that mean for you like what will that be how will you quantify an upturn Uh, you need to get ahead of lando by season's end in terms of what points championship standings i don't think that'll happen i think he's too far behind I think he needs, he'll need to be consistently in the top five and Lando not be in the top five for that to happen. Does he uh, need to at the very least out-qualify him? We, like if we started the qualifying battle again? Well, at least closer than 10 to 2. Yeah. Um, I think I, th- I think he'll do it. I just, um, Lando is performing really well. Like there's no mm-hmm. if, buts or maybes about it. and. Mm-hmm. He's. Uh, I agree with with your statement earlier. I think he is a really good qualifier. Um, 
Daniel's race pace has been pretty close to his throughout the season. He's just been stuck in... Like today, he got stuck behind Magnussen at the start, which kind of ruined his first stint. But DR, definitely uh, upturning performance. I'm hoping Ferrari sort their shit out so we get a bit of a closer finish to the season. And I think Mercedes will be right up there, especially after three or four weeks of development. Yeah, that's kind of my big takeaway. I think, honestly, when Mercedes come back, Mm. because that could be huge for the championship. Um, but I think also Ferrari. Ferrari need to get their shit together. Yeah. If that means reshuffling over the winter break, like kind of moving people around to get some fresh thoughts or whatever it might be, I mean, they've got to do something because just to keep second, like we're not even talking about yeah. first now, we're talking about kind of stabilizing the position they're in. And... I think for me also, I just want to see how the season unfolds race by race. I think if we think mm-hmm. about, you know, the championship picture, it's going to depress us for the next half of the season because <laughs> I don't see it. I don't see it going down. But yeah. I think if we can get some good race by race battles, um, where Ferrari gets some wins, hopefully Mercedes yeah. get a few wins, just so we get a bit of a spread. Even if yeah. even if Perez was to get a few wins, I mean that would be that would be, you know. A welcome relief, but I'm not a fan of one person winning it all. Nice. And I know that he, I know I know he's great, and I know that he deserves all the success that he's getting. But I mean, it's not good for the sport, particularly when you're watching IndyCar as well, because yeah. you just you're left wanting more. So that's kind of my big my big thing. I also need to see now that we've got this movement from Alonso. I want to see where those two teams end up by season's end. Because that could be a huge mistake. Um, well, did you notice? Yeah. I don't know if did you watch you watch the mini. Um, Ocon and Alonso were actually fighting at one point. Yeah, like, I, I, that was I, I was meant to say that when I was talking about Alonso's decision, but I was wondering whether his decision to move on was the fact mm. that Ocon number one is beating him in the championship and he's kind of. I don't want to say because it's weird. He's in. He's beating him in the championship, but I feel like the eye test is still Alonso's performed better this year. Agreed. That you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if Alonso is feeling respected by number one his teammate and number two by the team, and whether they're kind of making him feel like he's the number one or they're letting mm. Ocon race him. Uh, so I don't know if that has a part to play. But in saying that, he's not going to the right team for that then. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, you know what? He maybe is because he's probably thinking that guy's so freaking rubbish that I can jump in and, and beat him with a balaclava on. Yeah, I mean, true. it's, yeah, I don't know. But regardless, Formula One, I think it's a good time to have a reset because it looks like looks like it's starting to get dominated. Yeah. Um, and I guess got a bit of time now to reset. I mean, it's not going to be so good for racing. We'll have MotoGP back, I think, next week or the week after that. Supercars is returning at Sandown in a fortnight or so. I think next week might be a bit of a, a um, catch-up for us as well, maybe talk about a few off-season talking points or maybe dive a little bit deeper into the manufact- manufacturer mm-hmm. um, speculation moving into the, the next era of Formula 1 again. But I think we'll leave it there tonight, my friend. Sounds good, mate. Always good chatting with you. And for everyone that's listening, again, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for your support. Please interacting with us on the socials. Send through your questions, particularly next week. 
um, we're going to have a, a bit of a, uh, a session, you know, talking about some fan questions. So please jump on board there. And as always, please keep spreading the word to anyone who you know might be interested, even if they're not interested. Just tell them to subscribe anyway, because we really appreciate it. <laughs> trying to trying to grow this thing a little bit more. Um, H, thanks for your time. Have a great night, and we'll talk to you guys again next weekend. Thanks, guys. <laughs>